Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Another episode of the Absolute Podcast. If you don't know by now, my name is Matt. And I'm Kyle. You were locked into the best fucking geek and nerd comic podcast, pop culture cast in the Phoenix area. And um, that's just me tooting my own horn, I guess. Someone has to. Right? Someone's got someone's to fucking toot our horn every once in a while. Toot toot, motherfucker. Toot toot. Toot this. That's right. Toot toot. What the fuck is going on, Kyle? Nothing. Laying here, drinking a whiskey and Red Bull. Ah, drinking an adult beverage, huh? Yes. I enjoy adult beverages. That's good. I made one just special for this episode. Oh, yeah? That's good. I'm in the, in the middle of cleaning my britches um, from from shitting them today. So, <laughs> why did you shit yourself? I might have fallen asleep on the I-10 on my way home from work. Were you actually stuck in traffic, or were you driving? So I was sitting in traffic, and uh, it started to move, and I started to move with it. And I guess I passed out because, like the the car behind me honked, and I woke up and I was drifting into the HOV lane. So I was, I was wide awake after that. Maybe I, I might have, I may or may not have had a little brown discharge in my pants. A little skid mark? A little bit. It was more like a train track. It was more like a mudslide. You sharded? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, but we are fresh off the heels of East Comic Con, the very first one here in Phoenix, the inaugural. Ace Comic Con. What did you think of of Ace? I thought it was a success. I enjoyed it. Yes, it was very, it was a di- very different convention than we're used to. Very different setup. Um, I really liked the arena setup. I like how it was cut in half. I, I posted pictures of of how it looked on the Facebook page, but I really liked how it was cut in half. And you had that small little vendor area. And then you had the stage, and then I really liked how all the artists and stuff were in the the concourse area, along with food. And it was different watching, being able to walk around and drink a beer and watch people drink and actually have, like, the the refreshment people walking through the venue offering beers and sodas and waters to people. That was It was actually a different experience. I think that is something that everybody should take note of and... Hop on that bandwagon. The serving of alcohol at conventions. The serving of alcohol, just a different setup, just a you know a fresh feel to your basic comic convention. What I one thing I did notice is the lack of cosplay. It, it kind of feels like ever since the events that took place at at Phoenix last summer with Fat Punisher and him trying to come in and kill you know, wanting to kill Jason David Frank from Power Rangers, the the cosplay community is kind of, as far as like comic book conventions, has, has kind of died. It's 
it's almost non-existent. Like you saw a little bit of cosplay here and there, but you didn't really have that quality cosplay like you'd normally see it. Like when we had Amazing Com- uh, Amazing Arizona here or um, Phoenix or, or even Sabo or Tayo, like you didn't have that, that hardcore cosplay presence at this convention. Yeah, I think uh, I like that it didn't, there wasn't a lot of cosplay. <laughs> well, I, I know you're you're not a fan of of cosplay per se. I think I think it's cool, and I, I I respect everybody for all the time and energy and effort. But I hate standing in line and getting fucking hit by fucking cardboard swords <laughs> and axes, and and I hate I hate sitting there and getting hit in the head with a wing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that's just you know what I mean, and I know that's. That's stupid shit to bitch about, but you know what I mean? That I was glad that it was more comic focused there. You know what? When we have our Phoenix Comic Fest in uh, June, you know what? There's going to be a lot of cosplay there, and, and, and that's fine, but that comes with the territory of that con. But I liked that's what I liked about Amazing as well. As I like this, and this is what Ace, what I really got, you got that comic feel. Yeah, and I I liked having that. You know, I mean, you were just concerned about artists and and getting your autographs, and there wasn't a lot of other stuff going on around it. And if there was panels, this is the biggest thing I liked about Ace was, you know, what there was a panel going on, there was a thousand seats to sit at and watch it. Yeah, and you I weren't, liked you weren't cramming into a little tiny room, and you didn't have to sit for two hours, you know, before it started just to be able to get in. I liked that you could just. If you wanted to watch it, you could. And even if you're walking around, you could hear it. It was on the TV. So everybody got to enjoy it at all times. Yeah. And like, I really like the fact that you could jump in and out of out of the panels at your discretion. It, you're right. It, it gave you more of that old school, like early 90s comic book convention feel to it. Like there wasn't a lot of bells and whistles. There wasn't a lot of extra going on. It was... You you had your creators, you got your autographs, you did a little bit of shopping, and and you went about your business. I, and I and I you know what I I applaud that they they did it like this. And it was in the Westgate Entertainment District, so you could, you know, there was plenty of places to eat if you didn't want to eat at the convention. There's plenty of places to go drinking afterwards. Plenty of activities in that area to partake in after the convention was was finished, and that was it was kind of like. One of the things I really liked about FanFest when FanFest started was how small and intimate it was in the University of Phoenix Stadium and how you could had all that extra stuff to do around that area. And unfortunately, they they moved that downtown for whatever reason when they really shouldn't have because it's still relatively small. But I don't know. I just, I just really enjoyed the intimate, non-overcrowding feel of Ace. Like Ace was very busy, but it didn't feel like it. Like you didn't really, you didn't really understand or see how busy it was until you went to a panel and you saw all the people there, or if you know you were standing up at the panels and you saw all the people waiting to go down to the floor, waiting in line for their autographs from the celebrities and and everything like that. Like, did you actually go to the floor? Yeah. And walk around. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I got that ah oh, cramped Comic Con feel was when I was down there, but it still wasn't horribly bad. I cannot believe the amount of people that were in line for 
Wonder Woman and Tom Holland and fucking Chris Evans and Winter Soldier. That was crazy. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And that's what most of that that cramped vendor feel was down there was just that line waiting for people to get autographs. I just couldn't believe there was that many people spending hundreds of dollars to uh, to do that. Like, I mean, that's just not my cup of tea. That's just why I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, maybe, maybe I'm just too poor to be able to spend that much money on a picture. You know what I mean? Or an autograph. Yeah. And you're really starting to see the effects that CGC, the, the fallout from the CGC bullshit and them not paying creators and them dicking creators and artists around. You're starting to get that fallout because at this convention, everyone was charging $5 for a signature per item and 20 if you wanted a CGC. Yeah, I couldn't get one of my autographs because I had only brought so much money, thinking it was only going to be five bucks or ten bucks an autograph. So I, you know, and I only had a few books get signed. One of my books, I couldn't even get both signatures on it because I didn't have enough. And that's and, and I was far too lazy to go to the ATM. It's very unusual that they charge for signatures, but I guess maybe that's going to be the new norm if you're going to get CGC after all that bullshit and the fallout from. From that CGC um, I article, sort of, I just don't agree with it. twenty bucks just because you're having somebody. You know what I mean? Just because you're going to have it graded, I could see five, ten max, but I think I think that's just I think we're just going overboard. Well, I mean, the artists are going to get their money one way or another, and if CGC isn't going to cut them in on it. Well, like then, JRGR, all his went to uh, was to a charity. Yeah. Which that's still like that's that's still good, but you know I get uh, there was that article a few months ago about how CGC was dicking around artists and and not holding up their end of deals, and you you obviously started to see the fallout from that at this convention because this is the first convention I went to that everybody was charging five dollars for a signature. Cubert was charging twenty for for a CGC. Yep. Well, yeah, they were all starting twenty for CGC, but I didn't do CGC. I just got book signed, and it was only five bucks a pop. A pop. Like five bucks is fine. Hey, you know what? Make a couple bucks. I get it. You're, you're getting, but part of me is like, they're getting paid to be there, so they are making money. Like they're not they're not sitting there for free. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, they, yeah, but, they're paid to be there, so. They know like, that most of you people that, and not, I'm not directing it at you directly, but most people that are going to CGC a book are getting it signed in CGC to sell. And you're going to make who cares? triple off their name what they're making just to sit there to sign your signature, you know? Who cares, though? They're, they're, that's their job is to sit there. They're getting paid to do that. They're getting paid to sit there. So who cares what uh-huh. you do with it? That's that's just like going to a comic book store and being like, "Well, I know you're going to sell that when you leave, so I'm not going to charge you the three ninety nine retail. I'm going to charge you eight because you know what I mean. It's what I do with my stuff is what I do with my stuff. You're you're still making your money. Oh, well, I mean, it's, that, it's kind it's of the a, same thing with with um, Todd McFarlane. There's a reason why Todd McFarlane only. You know, he doesn't autograph a shit ton of stuff. 
what what was it? He did a hundred an autograph for the first hundred people uh-huh. that showed up at his booth at East. Yeah. So it's he's trying like he's trying not to be a Stan Lee who right now Stan Lee's signature is basically worth garbage until he kicks the bucket because the market is so oversaturated because he'll sign anything and everything. If you're willing to fork over the hundred and fifty dollars, he'll sign it. You know, it's it it drives it and fluctuates the market. Like there's very few there that are out there, but there's far less Todd McFarlane signatures out in the world than there probably are Stanley signatures. Yeah, but I mean, there was people there that were that were authorized to have Todd McFarlane get him graded, and they, they that's what they were doing with it. You know what I mean? They got a yeah. whole bunch. I don't know. I just you're getting paid to be there. Why? Why? You know what I mean? And we had to pay to get in. We had to pay for every little thing. Why are we having to pay for our, a bunch? Of, I don't mind. They can make a little bit of money on top, but there's no reason to charge twenty bucks a pop. They're getting paid to be there. That's just my thing. Yeah, but they're not. It's not like these celebrities that are getting paid thousands of dollars, or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, to appear, and then charging a hundred and seventy dollars for an autograph or a picture. And they're and that's one hundred percent pure profit for them. You know they they don't. It's not like they're splitting that with the convention. So look at Tom they, Holland for instance. It was one hundred and seventy dollars to get his signature. I'm sure the convention gets part of that too because they have to. They because they paid for them to be there. They have to make their money back. <laughs> they're making their money back by people buying tickets to come there. So I don't know. So there there you go. They, they just I don't know. I just don't think. But I, I don't think there people should be discriminated on how they collect because that's what you're doing. Like I was being discriminated on because how I what I wanted to do with my books. Well, I mean, I guess that's one way to look at it. I don't I don't necessarily know if I would call it discrimination because they were still well, signing your book. But if I had to pay more to, to have it happen. Well, if you wanted it to be graded, yes. So, I mean, they're... It would be interesting to see if we could find someone in the industry to talk to more about about this specifically to find out, like, an insider's perspective of what's going on and why that's being done. I mean, that could have just been a deal that was worked out with CGC. I mean, I, I don't know. It could have been... No, because it was, was, it was either grading company. They, they had signs that said it. Then it, it, I wonder if it was something that was set up through the convention organizers themselves. Because it was pretty much like $5 across the board, unless you're Bob Layton, who just pocketed your money. Fucking dick. <laughs> what a dick. But this $5, I gave him a 10, and he said, this is my favorite part. He put the fucking $10 in his wallet, and then went back to being on his fucking phone. I'm like, listen, motherfucker, you owe me uh, $5 back here. I, I, I looked at the sign that said $5, and then I looked at his wallet, and I looked at, you know what I mean? And I looked at him again. And I held my hand out. And you just fucking act like it didn't even fucking happen. Yeah. See, that's a scumbag. What a dick. That's a scumbag move. That's a scumbag move. I think so. I think I I that's a, I'll never get something signed by him ever again. Speaking of scumbag moves, let's talk about this. For our listeners, if you remember about a year ago about this time, um we talked about Jimmy J. 
and the amazing Arizona Comic-Con. And we had that whole blow up with Mike Wheeler about it and and how and he you know how Jimmy J basically said that this the Phoenix Con community turned its back on him and they took him for granted and there was the market was oversaturated and there was no more room for him in Phoenix and so he decided to take his convention out, out of Phoenix and no longer put on a show here. Then he had Rob Liefeld coming to his aid, and I got into it with Rob Liefeld about the situation, and and I just got blown up, and then it went into Mike Wheeler, and he just fucking took it to the next level of unnecessary. Well, fast forward to last weekend when Kyle and I are at Ace Comic Con walking around, and who is there with a booth but none other than Jimmy J. Now, this irked me. And rubbed me the wrong fucking way. Like, this literally legitimately pissed me off. Because you had the audacity to talk shit on our community. Get creators to talk shit on our community. Talk about how we turned our backs on you. And how our market was oversaturated and there was no room for you. But yet you're willing to come to a convention that someone else put on and peddle your wares. You're going to come to a convention and sell shit to this community. So basically you're saying that we're not good enough for you to offer service to, to have to pay for a convention, but it's okay to come here and sell your shitty ass comic books to us and just take our money. (laughs) That did rub me the wrong way, didn't it? All while, all while, oh, make sure you check out amazing Las Vegas con. That's ridiculous. That's bullshit that you want to talk shit and and make this big fucking production and then you want to show up here and sell shit at another at someone else's convention. Like Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. It, it's it, it just literally just annoyed the shit out of me that he was there selling stuff. And this isn't the first time I've seen him. I've seen him at Phoenix. I've seen him at FanFest. Like this is not the first time I've seen him there. This isn't like the first time this has happened. How are you going to It really annoys me that if we it made it and it got up to the be that big of a production to where we were being as a community were being accused of taking advantage of him in his convention and then he's going to turn around and still sell stuff to us like they i don't know maybe 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 i'm in the wrong but it just it just rubbed me the wrong fucking way well, we're not good enough to put a convention on for but we're good enough to sell shit to Right, like it's not it's because he doesn't want to have to do the hard work that has to go with promoting and getting you know getting talent here actually putting on a convention getting the venue having to do all of that to where he actually has to shell out money but he's willing to come sell us to where he's going to make 100% profit other than what he had so all he has to do is make back what he paid if he paid anything for the booth cuz I don't know that situation so I can't say he did pay for the booth or didn't pay for the booth but he can come to he'll come to a convention and all he has to do is worry about making back what he paid for the booth and then everything else is 100% pure profit. Yep. So a portion of every book he's selling is 100% pure profit. Like that just that just blows my mind. Yeah, either be part of the community or not. Not well, not like one foot in, one foot out. And you can't even sit here and say that you love this community because all that's doing is showing that you're greedy, that you're money hungry. It's all about the money. 
You don't give a shit about the community or the people in it or what's going on. You're just there. To, you just want to make money. I like money. I like money too, but if I made a production like that and made it a point and had all of these and had a creator friend of mine and Rob Liefeld come out and basically just spit on us as a community in Phoenix, why would you ever show your face at another convention here? How are you going to spit on us as a community and then still show your face at a convention? Like, that blows my mind. That dude's got to have the biggest set. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, would, that would be like me calling Rob Live all the two-bit hack and then going to ask for his autograph. <laughs> right? Yes, we make fun of his art, but there's no denying that he is a pivotal and important part in the comic culture and industry. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not... I would never sit there and, and question him. Yes, I think he's a he can be an asshole. And yes, I think that, you know, he... Some some of the things he does is questionable and says are questionable. But he, there's no denying the man's importance to the comic book industry. But it just it just rubbed me the wrong way that that Jimmy J made that production pulled out, basically had Rob Liefeld spit on us as a community by saying that we took him for granted. And and now this like. You you want to show up to peddle your goods? I, I it just it just blow. I don't know, man. I just like the words escape me for how angry I was. I don't think you're the only one, though. I, I heard from more than one person. It's ridiculous. I just I don't know. It just I don't, I don't know. It'd be like it, it reminds me of. It reminds me so much of when I used to work retail and you get those people that are like, well, I'm never coming. You're rude. I'm never coming back here again. Okay, bye. And then two days later, you see him again. Right. Th- thought you weren't ever coming back. You know, I'm never shopping here again. Oh, I hope that guy doesn't see me shopping here again. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's beyond ridiculous. Like... I don't know. It probably wouldn't irk me as bad if it, well, there wasn't such a big production made about the situation. And, and it, like, if he wouldn't have basically sat there and, and said that we took him for granted. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a big deal. But what what is it? Like, you're like, oh, I'm getting mine now. Ha, 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 ha. You know? <laughs> Just, I don't know. What is, what is your thought on the situation? I think you covered it. You think so? Yeah. No, that's what I think too. I mean, don't, you know, that, yeah, don't say I'm not going to do something here and then keep doing stuff here, but not throw the con. That's no, I, I agree. I mean, it was a big thing. Remember it was a big, long discussion and just to turn around and, Still do your thing here without having to throw a convention, but still just peddling your wares. No, I agree. 
I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't go so harsh and call him an asshole and, and all that, but it just, like, I, I'm very much respect this community around here, and it's, I mean, it's the only one we got, and I want to see it grow, and I want to see it develop, and I want to see it blossom and, and become what it can be. Like, I would like to see us be able to move past the events that took place at last year's Venus Comic-Con with Fat Punisher and, and kind of put that in the rear view. And I'd like to see Phoenix fan or Phoenix Comic-Con or Phoenix Comic Fest, whatever the fuck they're called now, be more in tuned and want to work with the community more to to figure out solutions to make people happy, to be able to bring cosplay back. Uh, even if it's like something like they did at WonderCon where there's a specific area designated for cosplay and that they can, I thought that was awesome. they can bring whatever brilliant. props or whatever they want and they can have a specific area for cosplayers. Even if it's up on the third floor, part of the hall of heroes, have all the cosplayers up there. Like I just, I want to see more community interaction and more, people you know com promoters and the community coming together to make phoenix a great area for conventions and and to maybe you know draw bigger names to come to phoenix and and get the word out of how great the experience is here and i don't want to see people kick our kick our community through the mud and basically you know tarnish the name of this community and in say bad shit about the community and basically say we took advantage of you only to to turn around and, and sell your shit at another at someone else's convention. And I don't think we took advantage of you. I think you took advantage of us. You took advantage of us by th- feeling that you could throw the same fucking lineup together three years in a row and that we were all stupid enough to just pay you the money and and come to the convention regardless. Well, I think Ace, what Ace did was, I think Ace, I think they've opened the door to show that, hey, you know what? You can get these names here to Phoenix. They absolutely did. Look at, I mean, look at the trickle-down effect they had. They got all these big names. People went nuts. And now look at Phoenix Comic Con. Phoenix, or Phoenix Fan Con. I'll never get used to calling it Fan Con. (laughs) Or Comic Fan, or whatever. Comic Fest. Comic Fest. You know, look look at that. Look at the quality of, of we've been saying the last two years. Their celebrity guests are good. They need to up the quality of the comic book artists and writers. And, and they've done that. They're bringing someone who's never been here in Scott, in, in Scott Snyder. Not only are they bringing Scott Snyder, but you're getting Snyder and Capullo together. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and you're getting um, Adam Hughes. Tinian. And you're getting, yeah, Tinian and... You're getting um, all these big name uh, artists here now. And now, I mean, all we're missing is Tom King. And it's, it's a fucking monster lineup. Oh, God. Yeah, cool. That would be. If we could get a, a, you know, a King or a Matt Fraction or, or anything like that here, it would be a monster lineup. And I think Ace has paved the way for that to be able to happen. I agree one hundred percent. Like I would really like to see a I would love to see Ace come back and I can't wait to see what lineup they bring next year. Because it was just it was Yeah, really, I'm already really stoked about hoping they come back next year. 
it was a really good convention for the first year. And I think people, some people might have shied away from it because of how, like, um, how new it was and the kind of the venue it was in. But, I mean, I definitely think that if they come back next year, you guys need to go check it out if you're in the Phoenix area because it it's a very... It was a very comic book driven convention. Yes, and that's what I liked about it. So, I mean, I I want to thank everyone from Ace for the hospitality. Um, you know, I want to thank Ryan, their um, press guy, for for hooking us up with with um, press badges and making us feel at home, and you know making the experience fantastic for me personally. Like it was, it was a good convention. It was, it was small. There wasn't really a lot to do to warrant the three days because once you kind of got all your stuff signed and walked the floor, you you pretty much saw it all. Unless there was a panel you wanted to go to on a specific day. But I mean, other than that, it was, it was a good time and it reminded me of an old school, you know, early to late nineties, comic convention when they were in the basement of churches and and things like that it was it wasn't it was small but big at the same time so i again she said yeah again i want to thank everyone at ace for their hospitality and like we really had no no glitches there was no security glitches there was no nothing like it was it was smooth sailing it was probably the most the smoothest um, well, from our standpoint, I'm sure there's some people out there that aren't saying that, but you know, from our, from our standpoint, it was probably the smoothest convention we've been to. Yep. I gave it four out of five stars. <laughs> I gave it two whiskey sours out of five. <laughs> uh, but, um, kind of keeping in line here with uh, Ace Comic Con as much fun as we had there was a a gentleman there who did not have as fun of a time as as we did want to turn your attention to a story here um, by the gentleman by the name of Charles Baca uh, Charles Bach is a local man here in Phoenix who had $5,000 worth of Stanley's uh, Marvel comics and tickets stolen from him at the convention. Um, he, uh, uh, Charles took a, a select number of comic books to Ace Comic Con in Glendale over the weekend only to end up having them stolen along with the tickets he had bought to get them signed by Stan Lee. Some of the books stolen included Avengers number two, The Incredible Hulk number five, and Amazing Spider-Man number eight, worth an estimated $5,000. Becca stated that he had the comics in a box inside of a bag. He set the bag at his feet to look through the comics at a vendor's booth, only to discover that someone had stolen them. He reported the theft to security and filed a report, but but never had any luck in identifying or finding the thief. Baca is looking to have the books returned as two of them um, he has owned for over 20 years. And you were telling me that you were you were standing right next to the guy when it happened. Yeah, we were, Brian and I were digging through books and 
I, I looked up and because I could I could hear him talking to the vendor and he was like the books were right here. Have you seen them? They're in a bag. And I and they, there was just this banter and yeah he was like he had I didn't hear the part where he had him at his feet but I, th- I the way I thought it was he had set him on something because the vendor was like you know I said you can hand them to me and I would hold on to him while you were looking because he was the way the vendor set up you can go into the, the vendor area where he was to look at other books. And so we had books on the inside and books on the outside to look through. And I mean, they looked, I mean, they looked underneath, they looked in inside boxes. I mean, it was probably like 20 minutes and he just kept talking about it. And he was like, and he was like, but I can't remember saying they were sitting right here. He, he didn't ever say anything about them being at his feet. He kept like, they were right here, and he kept putting his hand on top of a like a long box. Yeah, because from the, what he was saying, and the reports coming out of the convention is that he set him like on the ground by his at his feet, and he was going through comics, and he went to go pick them up, and they were gone. See, he, the way he was describing it when when I was standing there, they were on top of a box like of stuff, and he was like walking around like like digging through boxes. That's just, I mean, that's just a shitty situation to have happen to you all the way around. Like, five grand worth of comics. Some of those comics are old. And you've had them for over 20 years. And just that, and not to mention the $150 you paid for the Stanley autograph per item. Like, I really That's ho- why you carry a backpack. I really hope they found him and he got his, or he got his autographs one way or another. Or if whoever has them returns them, um, and hopefully they can work something out to where he can get his Stanley autograph. Because let's face it, at, at the convention, I saw Stan on stage. I listened to him talk to Todd McFarlane, and I will be. And I know we've said it going forward, but I'm going to be shocked if he makes it out of 2018 alive. <laughs> He he just he didn't look good. He was forgetful. He it sounded like he had just smoked ten packs before getting on stage. He had that smoker's voice. Like he just he did not look like he was in the best of shape. Now I'm gonna spin this a different way. If you had five hundred, now you've taken five hundred dollars worth of books to a convention before, right? Uh, probably taken more than five hundred dollars worth of books, but yeah. Now, or, you know what I mean? Like, you've taken $500 to $1,000 worth of Yeah. Mm-hmm. What have you done with those books while you were there? They go on a backpack. And you guarded them. Yeah. At all costs. Like, I think if you're going with $5,000 worth of books, you're not just going to set them down. You know what I mean? You're not just going to set them down. You're going to – that many books, you're going to have them guarded and protected. Okay, $5,000 worth of books plus the autograph tickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, like I've done that before, but only with like $40 worth of toys. Well, Every time I get an autograph, I'd set the bag down and I walked away and I'd have to go back. Like I'd be walking and, oh, fuck, I'd have to walk back. But when it came to books – I knew where my books were at all times. Yeah. I never left books sitting around. 
And if I had $5,000 worth of books, I'm going to fucking tell you right now that they're not going to be set on the ground next to my feet. Right. No, and I, I understand, like, it's... He definitely did not take or use the best judgment in taking care well, of those books. Like, if you even would have put them down at his feet and then, like, put them between his legs and then clipped it with his feet, they wouldn't have gotten taken. I think... Personally, by me standing there and he was going on, what I think happened was I think he actually walked away and then came back and looked for You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. You think the story that he's telling isn't actually the, the story that happened? The way it seemed to me was he had come back looking for him like he had left them. Yeah. Because, like, we got there and he wasn't there and then he showed up asking about the books. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. So I think he walked away and he said shit and then came back. But that's but there was a million things going on and I wasn't a hundred percent paying attention until I heard that he was looking for books. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just what I how I perceived it in my own brain. But I it, to me it looked like he had come back, like he had he had left him there. He had like had him sat down and walked away and then came back. Well, and it wasn't a it was an area with a lot of traffic, so. There was a shitload of traffic right there. It was all the main traffic. It w- it's easy for something like that, to, you know, someone to just grab a bag and keep on walking. It like the closest I've ever had to having anything stolen from me was at San Diego when I had uh, that Lucille Walking Dead bat in my bag, and someone to just snatch it. And luckily, my backpack was zipped, and it didn't come unzipped, and they couldn't get it. But like that, I, I mean, people will try to do that when we were what. Well, the first year we went to San Diego, we heard stories about some dude going to buy a bunch of uh, uh, toys, uh, uh, exclusives, and he pulled his wallet out and someone snatched his wallet and took off. Yep. So, I mean, it's not, you, you hear about this shit, like, it's it's terrible to hear about that because you don't ever want that to happen at your, you know, at your local convention or part of the community that you're a part of, but people out there are, are, you know, comic books sell and they sell quick. And I mean, all they, you just gave them, all they had to do now was go get those books signed by Stanley and get a certificate of authenticity. And they're going to be on eBay in an hour. But like I said, hopefully, hopefully they catch him. Hopefully they find his books. Hopefully he got them back. I hope he gets them back. And was still able to get his signatures but it's still a shitty situation all the way around. But yeah. you're absolutely right. If you're going to carry, and you know what your books are worth, and not only that, not only dollar amount, you know what they're worth to you sentimentally. So if you've had some of these, if you've had two of these books for over 20 years and they carry some sort of sentimental value, you wouldn't be so careless to just leave them around. No, like I had all my books in a box, like a, a comic box, like a, you know what I mean? And I carried them, and you know what? As soon as I was done carrying them, you know what I did? Well, I set some off the grade, and the last few that I didn't have signed, I put in a car so that I didn't have to worry about leaving them somewhere. Like, Jose left his fucking sketchbook. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and he had a backpack, so he really has no excuse. <laughs> right. He had a backpack and still left his sketchbook. But like me, I got my, my Mike Zek stuff signed and my Ramita Jr. And I had a backpack in. As soon as I got it signed, 
it came out of the backpack to get signed and went back in the backpack to for me to carry around the rest of the day. Like, that was it. There was no back and forth. There was no shimmying around. They didn't leave them anywhere. My backpack never left my sight. You know, or the only time it wasn't on my back is when I was sitting down to watch a panel. And at that point, it was at my feet in front of me. Even, even when we went to the bar afterwards for dinner, my backpack was in front of me, underneath my feet. Yeah. Like, I knew where it was at all times. So, again, you know, it, it sucks that that happened to him, but it's it's careless handling of your books, too. Yeah, I mean, you, you know what they are. You take, you know, you take precautions. And you don't... The, the best thing is a backpack. So, um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't it. know. Um, and an update to the story that we talked about last week. New allegations um, against Stan Lee have come to light. New allegations that Stanley groped the wife of a comic book creator last year have surfaced, first broken by Bleeding Cool, a very serious A-list creator who was asked not to be identified, claims that the last time he saw Stanley, um, Stan gave his wife a little grope and an extended kiss. He stated at the time he felt, although it was a little odd, he and his wife thought it was funny because he was an, at the time a 94-year-old and though uh, and to be and thought to be harmless, but after reading the allegation against Lee from in-home medical staff, he found Lee's actions less than funny. He continued saying, "I've known Stan for thirty years. I hope none of this is true, but the facts remain plausible. If I hadn't seen a small de- a degree of it with my own eyes, I would be in a full-on defending Stan mode." The unnamed creator's wife came to her husband's defense, saying, "This is a true story." At the time, thinking about it, it was funny. Little old man and comic legend pulling me on his lap, full on kissing me. I laughed it off. But yeah, that totally happened to me. When asked for more details, the woman stated she was groped and he tried to stick his tongue down down my throat while my husband was watching at uh, at the meet and greet. So... You were basically, you're admitting that your husband, you, you cuckled your husband? <laughs> right. Like, you cucked your husband with Stan Lee? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, okay, I will give you the, the that sounds plausible. The groping her and, and kissing her and all that, like, that sounds pro- plausible. But the Stan Lee that we saw at, at Ace didn't seem like that was something that would be plausible. Like he's 95 years old. Like he was on stage with Todd McFarlane and he couldn't even remember his catch, the catchphrase he wrote. And then great power comes great responsibility. He, he was trying to answer questions and he couldn't see the people in the crowd, ask him the questions. And Todd had to point him out. Todd asked him to stand up to do a selfie and Stan didn't even know. And he, Todd even said, all right, we're going to stand up. We're going to turn around. We're going to do a selfie with the crowd. And and Stan was like, okay. And then they stood up and Stan was like, what are we doing now? Like, he didn't know what was the fuck was going on. So, you know, it's like we were talking with Brian. And you got to think, the dude's 95 years old. If he has this medical staff in his house on a regular basis, he he might not even know any different right now. Like, he comes out of the bathroom naked. He might not even think twice about it. 
like I think there's so, there's something else that's going on that's not being said. If he has to have round the clock care, well, he's he. I mean, he's ninety five. Like he's right. He's up there in age, you know, and he's seen some shit in his lifetime. But I just I just don't see like the Stanley I saw on stage. I don't see him asking for blowjobs and I don't see him being able to even get it up to get a blowjob. And I don't see him running around the house naked, chasing hospital staff. Like, right. It it seems to me like he might walk from his bathroom to his bedroom naked or, or, or forget something or and become forgetful and, or confused and somehow ended up naked. But I don't think he's doing it maliciously. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know, he comes off like everyone's grandpa. He's like the nicest dude. But I just, I don't know. I don't want it to be true, I guess. But it's Maybe hard to, it it's hard to defend these allegations. Like, you know, and, and this is the most plausible situation I, I could think of. Is like, okay, yeah, he groped her and, and maybe got a little frisky and a little handsy. But I don't, I don't see the Stanley that I saw on, on Saturday being able to do that. Even if you're a yeah. woman in your 50s or 60s, you'll be able to fight him off. He's a 95-year-old man. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. But no, I'd have to see I'd have to see a video of it to really like to really believe it. You like, know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, this this comic writer and his wife kinda have the same reaction to it I do, is that you know, it's it's almost ridiculous because he is 95 years old and he's an old man and, and think that, you know, you can't get away or can't do something about it is <clears throat> a little bit mind boggling, but it makes me wonder if he, maybe he's not all there. If he just forgets and, and, you know, he's old and maybe he just forgets and gets confused and, and shit happens where he doesn't actually mean it in the way it's coming out, you know? You got to remember in his day, back in his day, puss was another name for a face. You know? Yeah. So when he's like, show me that puss, darling, he could be saying, show me that face. Now I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but. <laughs> Stretching it. Yeah, just just trying to. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. I just have to wait till the video comes out on TMZ. Right. But um, yeah. Other than that, let's see what else we have. Um, the rumors are in, and it sounds like Ben Affleck's appearance in Flashpoint may be his last hurrah as the Batman. So it's probably start. It's probably time to start accepting the fact that. Jake Gyllenhaal probably is going to be replacing Affleck as Batman and his name is being attached to the character saying that if, if Affleck decides to depart, that'll be who takes over the role is, is Gyllenhaal. A lot of people close to DC with knowledge of DC have, have said that if, 
Affleck is still under contract right now, but if he decides to depart the role, it will most likely go to Jake Gyllenhaal. Yikes. I still think of him as Bubble Boy. <laughs> right? Donnie Darko. I don't want to see it as Batman. No, why not? Thumbs down. I don't think he'd be a good Batman. I don't. I think he'd do all right. She'll do fine, but you just don't want to see it, huh? Nope. Yeah. Pass. Uh, sorry, Yondu fans, but Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn promises that. Dead means dead when it comes to Michael Rooker's blue-skinned fan favorite. Um, when volume when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three hits theaters sometimes in two, sometime in two thousand and twenty. So there you go, no more Yandu. Yandu is officially dead. And then dead what did James dead. Gunn say about uh, he'll never use Brian Michael Bendis's characters of Guardians of the Galaxy? Did he say that? Yeah. Hmm. Like last week or something, or the other day. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Uh, let me see. Yeah, there was an article about it. Uh, let's see if I can find it real quick. Well, while you're trying to do that... Um Speaking of Brian Michael Bendis, uh, writer Brian Michael Bendis has confirmed via his Twitter over the weekend that he has completed his final issue of Miles Morales Spider-Man for Marvel Comics. And he said that he is going to make sure that he leaves the character in a good spot so whatever creative team takes over can just uh, slide right in and continue Miles' story with it in whatever direction they want to go in. So it's sad to say that Brian Michael Bendis' time at Marvel is officially over. And from what I've heard, his first debut of work at DC is actually going to be part of Action Comics 1000. The $50 book? Yep. So that is going to be the first bit of Brian Michael Bendis you get in DC. So uh, James Gunn says, none of the crappy Bendis characters will be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Whoa, crappy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Crappy. <laughs> that's a little That's a little much to call them crappy. They're all the same characters. <laughs> who, who, I mean, who's crappy that he's not going to put him in a movie? He's already got Groot. He's got Rocket. He's got... What, Kitty Pride? He said, as of today, I wouldn't find any of those characters interesting. I really am more of a fan of the Abnett Landing stuff as opposed to stuff that came after the movie. Okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense to me, but I think to call him crappy is a little unfair. Right? Sounds like sour grapes to me there, James Gunn. Jeez. Sour grapes. <laughs> James Gunn's got sour grapes. 
<laughs> Patrick Wilson, who plays Night Owl in Zack Snyder's 2009 Watchmen film, uh, came out today saying that he wants to reprise his role of Night Owl for the HBO Watchmen TV series that is currently in production. So that's good that at least one of the originals wants to come back and, and reprise their role. Right. It'd be nice if they could get them all back, but it sounds like John Cena is going to be playing Dr. Manhattan in that, that show. So it'll be <laughs> weird to see his little blue pecker walking around the screen. <laughs> well, actually, no, we all, we both know from seeing Trainwreck that John Cena's got a fucking legendary root. Right, it's an oak tree. <laughs> it's an oak tree. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking massive root. Fucking opening the door for him and shit. <laughs> it's fucking, it looks like a baby's arm holding an apple. <laughs> Just a fucking massive root. And last but not least, Walking Dead has been renewed for season nine. Um, as series taps a new showrunner, Angela Kang, as Scott Gimple is elevated to chief content officer. So, sounds like um, after the backlash of of killing Coral in the mid-season finale, uh, they're not going to be moving forward with Scott Gimple. Um, Finally. They're going to promote him to a different role, and they're going to have a different executive producer come. You know what role they should promote nine. him to? Unemployed. Unemployment. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured you're going to say that. He's ruined The Walking Dead. <laughs> I I don't know. We'll see what happens with Coral and and that whole situation because it could actually end up being it could end up being something great. But I, I don't know. I don't. I'm still very much on the fence about it. Like they they killed Fuck Coral. That guy. They killed Coral. No. Don't kill Coral. Get in the house, Coral. See, he should motherfucker should have stayed in the house. Right? He should have stayed in the house back in season two. And he'd still <laughs> he's be alive. Still sitting in there. Yeah, he's funny. still sitting in still sitting in Herschel's farm. He just see him looking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> he'd still have both eyes. Right. Uh, he fucking Scott, fuck Scott Campbell. Fuck that guy. He's like clown shoes. <laughs> he has clown shoes. <laughs> He's pointless and stupid. <laughs> but that's it. That's all I got. You got anything else for for this fine Tuesday evening here in Phoenix? No, I think I got everything out. Yeah. Me too. I, I think, I don't know, do you think I went a little too hard on, on Jimmy J? Uh, yeah. No, call him a fucking asshole. Or a piece of I don't of know shit. if he's an asshole, but I just think it's kind of contradictory. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I came a little heated. Probably a little more heated than I needed to be. <laughs> oh well. But. But yeah, I, I just I just think, I mean, if there's an explanation for it, I would love to hear it. But I just like I said, I think it's kind of fucked that. He talked all that mad shit on us, and he he's gonna come and and do that. But who am I? Right, I'm just a fucking dude with a podcast who bitches for an hour and <laughs> sends it out for the world to fucking listen to and critique and and consume. 
Consume this. Yeah. Consume this hate. Consume it. Consume it. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that's where we'll end this week's episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. And we will see you next time.